You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show, presented by Diet Pepsi, on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Looking into his catcher, ready to fire, 2-2. In the air, out towards right center field. Harris going to go back. Harris back to the warning track. He leaps. Michael's got it. He's got it. They fired it in. And it rolls across the infield. Taken by Riley. He throws to the back. They double him off. Ball game over. Braves win. I've never seen a play like that. Riley stepped up with his bat in the bottom of the eighth. His arm in the top of the ninth. And that's the kind of win that will cut a team right to the bone. Braves win it 5-4 and even up the series. What an unbelievable last three innings here in Atlanta, Georgia. Wow, there you go. That's Braves Radio with the call. And um, all I can say is, wow, again, uh, Atlanta on the verge of going down 2-0 in a best of five, which is almost just impossible to come back from not impossible but almost uh, ask the baltimore orioles and the los angeles dodgers their 100 win teams that have also ga- gone down who have gone down 2-0 the braves were on their way to doing that they were being shut out again until uh, what was it maybe the sixth or seventh inning uh justin before they got a run but they were down in the bottom of the eighth and um came back to get the lead on a two-run home run by Austin Riley. They went down from 4-3 to up 5-4. Then in the top of the ninth, um, you get um, a leadoff walk to Bryce Harper, and it looked like that um, the Braves might be in trouble. Uh, A.J. Minter came in, got the um, got the walk, and then Iglesias came in, the closer, and then you heard that shot. That looked like he might get out of the ballpark and give the Phillies the lead. And Harper took off. He made a mistake. He wanted to make sure he scored if the ball went off the wall to tie the game. And he was nearly to third base. So when the incredible catch happened by Michael Harris the second, it led to an unbelievable play that ended the game with a double play. And it was Austin Riley backing up the throw from Harris – and the ball came through the infield. Riley, the third baseman, grabbed it up and fired to first to Matt Olson. And the Atlanta Braves get the victory 5-4. to four. And now they are 1-1 in that series. Now the Phillies are still um, taking home field advantage away as they shift the series to Philadelphia for games 3 and 4. Game 5 would be back in Atlanta if necessary. But I tell you what, it's a heck of a lot better than being down 2-0. They're even now 1-1, a miraculous comeback for the Atlanta Braves. Good morning, everybody. I'm Gary Harris. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show. It's 9.05. Gary Harris, Justin Jones, Noah Haynes, all in with you this morning. Justin's man in the controls, taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. we got a good show on tap. I'll tell you all about it in just a moment. But first, 
This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you, as always, by Alabama Credit Union. Member-owned and not-for-profit, it's just a better way of banking. And you can roll tide and show your pride with the Alabama Credit Card, the official card of the UA Alumni Association. Apply now at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Enjoy today and feel good about your money. And pull extra change in your pocket. All right, here is the lineup for today. At 9.30, we'll talk some ball with the Rocket Man, Rudy Arman, from 977 ESPN Radio in the Rocket City of Huntsville, Alabama. 10.15, Kayla Anderson out of Nashville with the Titans report, the up-and-down Titans. Uh, win one, lose one, you know, it's just kind of that way right now for them. They lost to the Colts on Sunday in Indianapolis. She'll be in with the Titans report. Also, we'll have some Nick Saban audio from yesterday's Press conference. Now, I know it was played live yesterday, and it's been played across the the different shows, so we may not play all the clips, but there's a couple that I want to get to if we have time. And also, we'll try to get some Sam Pittman audio. The Arkansas head coach held his press conference yesterday ahead of the Alabama game, and we'd love to hear from the visiting coach. So Braves get that huge win, and um, as I said, when you look at the Major League Baseball playoffs, it's not working out the way I think baseball thought it would. These 100-win teams uh, getting this rest, I'm not sure that's a good thing. They're getting the layoff. And then when you look at uh, you look at the teams that played straight through in the wild card, and they seem to have the advantage over these teams that uh, you know were able to uh, to get the rest. I mean, the, the Orioles are a 100-win team. They're down two games to none. The Dodgers were a 100-win team. They're down two games to none to the Diamondback. Diamondbacks, Orioles down to the Rangers, the Braves scrambling to even that series at um, at 1-1, headed back to Philadelphia for Game 3 on Wednesday. Of course, Bama football, always the hot topic. We'll dive into that this morning as well. Right now, though, we're going to start it off on the first and main condos hotline. we got a couple phone calls to go to. Joseph's going to lead us off, and then we'll get to time. What's up, Joseph? Joseph's now a believer in Jalen Milrow, by the way. Good morning. Uh, you think Jalen Miller can be as good as uh, Cam Newton? I don't know about that now, Joseph. I mean, Cam Newton was a was a generational quarterback and a Heisman Trophy winner, and led Auburn to a to their first national championship in fifty three years, and they haven't won one since. So I don't know about that, but I, I do think that uh, as I've said all year to you, I think Jalen Miller gets better every game. I think he's got a lot of uh, a lot of talent. <laughs> And he's learning, uh, you know, how to play at this level. So I think he's got a chance to be pretty good. But it's it's game to game, man. You know, it's game to game. Well, let me ask you this. Do you think the Braves are out of it? No, no. I don't think they're out of it at all. I think that that game last night, um, you know, could have saved their season. If they lost last night, would I have thought they were out of it? Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't. I, down 2-0, going back to Philadelphia, having to win three in a row, two in Philadelphia, try to get back to Atlanta, I, I would have said their their odds were long at best. But uh, now it's just a three-game series, best of three. They got to get one game in Philadelphia, but they're capable of doing that. And uh, hopefully that's what they'll do, or if not, win them both, but win one and get back to Atlanta for game five and, and try to close it out there. Do you, do you think it's possible they can win one in Philly? Yeah, I do. Because right, I know Philly is a hard place to oh, play. Oh, it man. is. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And they're a good team. And even though the Braves finished 14 games ahead of them in the standings, uh, Philadelphia is a team that uh, yeah, made it to the World Series last year. And uh, they thrive in the postseason. So it's it'll be tough. But uh, at least the Braves, have, you know, even the series up last night, it would have been, like I said, brutal if you go back go back to Philadelphia down uh, 0-2. Man, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm a Braves lover, man. I love the Braves. And I've been to a Braves game this year. 
I actually went to the Braves versus the Mets when when they hit uh, when it went extra innings and they did a walk off home run. I was at that game and it was amazing. If you if you ain't a Braves fan, you'll be a Braves fan time you leave. I promise you. I got you, pal. I got you. But um, do you think um, like I said, I think the time time Miro leaves though Alabama, he will legitimately have a shot to be the same as Cam Newton. I mean, I really, I really think that because I think he showed flashes that out of Texas A&M because they said they Texas A&M came in. We gonna make Jalen Miro beat him with beat us in his arm. Mm-hmm. Well, he beat him with the arm. He did. And that's Alabama and Auburn done the same thing to Alabama in 2010 that we said we we're gonna make Cam Newton beat beat us with his arm. Yeah. And. He beat it with his own. Well, I'll so, just say I mean, this, Joseph. I'll say this: uh, you, you've come a, you've come a, you've done a one eighty on Jalen Milrose. So, if he can make you a believer, then uh, maybe he can just continue to get better and better. And who knows? Maybe the sky's the limit. Maybe he'll lead this team into the college football playoffs. So that's what I'll, I know. All the Alabama fans are hoping for, buddy. Well, man, I mean, there comes a time when sometimes you just have to admit, hey, I might be wrong about this kid. I mean, they, that that that's my thing, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, at first season I wasn't high on him, but you know I was wrong. I mean, and yeah, and uh, like I said, that's the first step is admitting you're wrong. Well, and, I hope and, that uh, I hope that he continues to play well because if he does, um, you know, that's, they're going to be a tough team to beat. There's no doubt about it. the defense is playing terrific and. And the uh, offense is finding its identity. The offensive line has gotten better. He's throwing the football better. You know, hopefully they'll be able to crank the running game up a little bit against Arkansas. And um, you know, just uh, just just take it all the way into Atlanta and and have a shot to win the SEC championship and get in the playoff. I mean, that's it's still there. And you know, to win these three games in a row, when uh, as you know, and you were one of them, a lot of people said coming out of that. Uh, that South Florida game that this team, you know, it wasn't going to, uh, it wasn't going to do much, but they've been able to string some wins together in the SEC and, but got another big one on, on Saturday, Joseph. Like I say, you know, you never, you know, there's no easy outs in the conference and, uh, Arkansas is a capable team. I don't care what the record says. They're, they're a capable team. So you got to be ready to go every week, every week. Well, I heard just on the Wimp and Barry show, uh, they said they had, was asking, uh, could this be a trap game for Alabama? You know, because I mean, if Alabama comes in ready, obviously we're going to beat Arkansas. But if we if we don't come in ready, is Arkansas a good enough team to beat Alabama? No, no doubt about it. If you don't if you don't play your best, they're they're good enough to they're good enough to beat you. I mean, they came close against A and M. They came close against Ole Miss, and I know close doesn't count. But uh, like I said, they're a they're a capable team. So hey, great call, Joseph. Good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you, man. Yeah, you bet. Have a good day. All right, let's keep it going here. Let's get to uh, let's get to Tom. Hey, Tom. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Doing well. Oh, uh, you know, uh, in the I'm thinking about opening me up an office and plus close as a psychologist, and so I'm um, this morning <laughs> I called in with uh, more reverse psychology. Joseph, do not change. You have got to keep dogging. Jalen Melrose, that's the reason we won out at uh, Texas A&M is because you were dogging Melrose like you were. And uh, you cannot upset the apple cart because here's the reason why. God is a uh, Bama fan. (laughs) And and he he punishes those who are sacrilegious. And you're doing a good job at being sacrilegious. So keep up the good work. So, Jalen, if you keep on, Jalen end up winning the Heisman. 
Well, you know, he said he compared him to Cam Newton, so who knows, Tom? I mean, that's uh, right. It's but like you, you cannot cannot do that. You cannot know, I would that. I would encourage all the fans, and you know, Tom, you and I have some pretty frank discussions on this show. Um, right. And it's so it's the nature of fandom. You get high, you get low. But I I would you know the same fans, many of them who were counting this team out after the first three games, and now are saying, oh man, this team, you know, hey man, still be cautious. I mean. I'm serious oh, yeah. when I say this. I'm not. This is I'm not a psycho. This is not a psychology game I'm playing. Uh, in this conference, you got to be. You got to be ready to lace them up. Our, our three and zero oh in the league could go to. It could go to three and two or, or four and two real quickly, and everybody else be right back in it. You've got. You know they got. A, they got three SEC home games in a row. They've got Arkansas and Tennessee, the bye, and then LSU. And, uh, you know, if you get through that stretch, six and oh, uh, then, 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 then we're cooking. You know what I mean? Then you're really, right. really cooking. But, uh, um, exactly right. there's still a lot of work to be done. Sure is. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. But, hey, Joseph, I, I was joking, uh, <laughs> about that. And, uh, uh, don't take that serious. I was kind of kidding around, but I did call in about something funny. Uh, Gary, I don't know if you've heard it, but, uh, the radio crew for Oklahoma at the end of that game Saturday with Texas, that is absolutely hilarious. And if the guys could find it, it is absolutely killer uh, to hear their call at the end of that what game. Are they, 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 do they troll Texas? They said, what do they do? Uh, they said, uh, uh, unhook the schooner and put the ponies in the barn. Oklahoma is give Zebo a black eye. Oh, Lord. Oh. You know, that's one of those you think they probably had it ready to go in case they won the game. <laughs> Do you think that was off the cuff, or you think that's something maybe that the play-by-play broadcaster had rehearsed and decided he... Well, I listened to it, and uh, I don't know. Maybe it was, but whatever. It was funny. And uh, if your guys could find it, it's worth uh, looking up and hearing. Thank you, Tom. Buddy. All right, buddy. 915 here on the Gary Harris Show. We are off and running. As I said, jam-packed show. Drew Armand coming up at the bottom of the hour. Plus, we're going to have some clips from Nick Saban. We've already played you that uh, Braves radio call of that dramatic comeback they had last night. We'd love to talk some Braves with you. Love to talk some Bama football. Love to talk some SEC. And, uh, by the way, um, I wrote a story on Jalen Hurts on my WVUA 23 Facebook page. So if you want to... Uh, Go to uh, Facebook and just check Gary Harris, WVUA23. And, uh, you know, the term now is him. I'm him. He's him. It's kind of like the new uh, um, term for I'm the man or he's the man. And uh, anyway, I wrote, a, I wrote a story on Facebook that says that uh, Jalen Hurts is him and he's always been him. And it just tracks his amazing... Uh, journey from Channel uh, View High School right outside of Houston. The, uh, Alabama freshman is 17 years old when he got to campus and um, didn't turn 18 until August. Coming in for Blake Barnett in the third series of the USC game and never looking back. 14 and 0, uh, 207 to go. He put Alabama in the end zone to give him a lead against uh, against Clemson and uh, on the verge of 15 and 0. And, and Clemson won that game with a second to go in the game. Uh, then the next year, eleven and zero, uh, and losing to um, losing to Auburn, and uh, then getting into the playoff, beating Clemson to get a little payback, but then losing that uh, 
first half against Georgia when I think they were down 13 to nothing. He didn't play well, replaced by Tua. Tua came in to lead a dramatic comeback. Jalen Hurts has um, lost two games <clears throat> as a starter his first two seasons. I think it was 26 and 2, and he was benched in favor of Tua for the 2017 season or 2018 season. Didn't pout, got better under Dan Enos, and then came in in the SEC championship game that year when Tua wasn't playing well and then rolled an ankle and led uh, Alabama to two fourth-quarter touchdowns to beat Georgia. And then the next year goes to Oklahoma, goes 12-2 and there to finish up his college uh, career as 38-4 as a starter. A lot of people said he'd never be drafted. He'd have to play running back. He'd have to play wide receiver. Drafted in the second round by the Eagles. Many people question that. Backed up Carson Wentz his rookie year, 2020. Took over as a starter in 2021. Led him to the playoffs last year. Went to the Super Bowl. This year they're 5-0, and and he's setting records. It's just, an, it's just an amazing story for a guy who seemed like no matter what he did, it wasn't good enough. But now he uh, he's on top and one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the National Football League. But you can read it on uh, WVUA 23, Gary Harris Facebook page. All right, we'll be back with more of your phone calls. And... Um, 205-342-9904 is the number on the First Domain Condos hotline, so let us hear from you. The Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday, October 10, 2023. We'll be right back. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money under the biggest catch free has evolved it will always be that place to escape and have a good time whether it's for a game day weekend to reminisce on college days or to create new memories if you're looking for a good time there's only one thing to do head to the free at 1925 university boulevard and don't forget about the lucky lunch meat and three special monday through friday from 11 a.m until 2 p.m get a meat and three vegetables for just 849 or for a lighter appetite try the lucky lunch soup salad or sandwich combo i'll see you at the free osteroscos has been serving mexican favorites like burritos fajitas and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Tide 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. The high for this afternoon around 81. For tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 61. Tomorrow, a cloudy day. We'll have the chance of some light rain at times. The high in the middle 70s, around 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. All right, 922. And a reminder that um, Friday's our Bama football trivia Fridays here at the Gary Harris Show, presented by T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and the University Mall. Last week, we gave away that incredible Jalen Milrow autographed 
raised lettering Alabama football to Mailman Jerry down in uh, Florida. Got to get back up with Mailman Jerry and to make arrangements for him to get that ball. We'll be giving away another great prize on Friday, courtesy of T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery and the University Mall. So looking forward to that as we do it uh, every Friday right here on the Gary Harris Show. All right, we got a couple of minutes here. We don't have any phone calls, so let's get to – I want to play a couple. I'm not going to play every Nick Saban clip because I know that the, the press conference has been played here. But there's an interesting clip in regards to – and we'll ask Judy Armin about this. There's still a lot of chatter about how the defense is being run. Kevin Stills a defensive coordinator, and that's still the, the case. Uh, but there's a lot of talk that he's working more with the position coaches now. And uh, defensive line, outside linebacker, of course, he's been working with inside linebackers. And that maybe um, T-Rob is actually calling the defense. I don't know that. Just some stuff that's out there. We'll ask Rudy Armin about it. But we do know that yesterday Nick Saban was asked about the coordinators and the job that they're doing and had an opportunity to um, – point out the job that they're doing and he was kind of you know it's not about giving credit it's more just about um, all the coaches trying to do their job to get better we got that clip Justin let's let's run that uh, here's Nick Saban on when he was asked about the coordinators yesterday you know I, I, I'm not going to publicly comment you know we're happy with the coaches that we have and uh, we're always trying to get better we're all working hard together to try to get better um, trying to figure out you know what, what's the best um solution to help our team grow and develop uh whether it's you know style of play uh doing more things that they're capable of doing um you know trying to minimize the negative plays and you know i'm I'm pleased with you know the effort that everyone is giving and trying to uh, give input to fix those things everybody's responsible for a better way so um if we have deficiencies as a team you know that's kind of on me that's just a very, 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 very interesting reaction to me. I mean, it, uh, you know, kind of a poor court on the coordinators and he made it about the staff as a whole and said, if there's deficiencies, it's on me. But, uh, I don't know, just a kind of a, had a chance there just to say, yeah, the coordinators doing a great job, recent and still, and he didn't do it. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, he certainly didn't, wasn't negative. It was just, uh, you know, an interesting reaction. Let's get to another saving clip here uh, before we have to hit the break and come back with Drew DeArmond. Uh, he was asked about um, the lack of a running game at Texas A&M. Now, a lot of that had to do with their scheme, but uh, that's something I know they want to get. They want to get uh, corrected. Here's uh, Coach Saban on the issues with the running game. No, I think it was a combination of both. Uh, I think that. You know, we miss ID'd some plays in terms of who we're blocking and where we're going to. And, um, you know, I think we, we missed some things on some of their stunts and pressures. Um, you know, their front seven is really good. And, um, we had some other plays that, you know, if we finished blocks, we'd have had much more productive plays. Uh, so we got to do a better job of finishing. Um, but we also knew that, you know, going into the game that it was going to be tough sledding up front and, uh, we were going to have to be able to throw the ball effectively. And I was very pleased with that part of it. Um, still got to work on protections, but on how we protect the quarterback. 
All right, so kind of a combo answer there, too, in regards to the difficulty running the game, but also the offensive line uh, continuing to not only improve in that area, but also continue to get better in protecting the quarterback. And that's a... You know, something this offensive line has done. I mean, I think if you go back to the opening game against Middle Tennessee and the second and third games against uh, Texas and South Florida, you see a, a, a great improvement on Alabama uh, in regards to how they're playing up front. I mean, I really think that that's an area where they have improved and uh, they'll continue to get better. I just think this offensive line has just kind of scratched the surface of what it's capable of. I think it's a team that can um, build that unit up front. And I don't know that I could say they're going to be dominant, but I do think that the offensive line can uh, can be a really, really good unit uh, by the end of the season. All right, it's 927. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll visit with the Rocket Man, Drew Arm Armand, 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville next, right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports. Built to win. Touchdown, Alabama! Built for championships. Rose intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on Arkansas in an SEC showdown. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Since 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good times. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Perry. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. Nine thirty is Rocket Man time. Rudy Arman, co-host of Talking Ball weekday mornings on nine seven seven ESPN Radio in Huntsville, Alabama, along with Scott Tyson, and he joins us every Tuesday to talk a little ball right here on the Gary Harris Show. How are you doing, Drew? Good, Gary. How are you? Doing well. You know when Alabama was. Uh, Two and one and coming off a loss to Texas at home and a very, uh, pedestrian performance in Tampa against South Florida. There were a lot of folks that said, man, this uh, team's not even going to be able to get, uh, you know, make a dent in the SEC. A lot of people picked them to lose to Ole Miss, but they won that game. 
They went to Starkville and won, and then uh, really the biggest win of the season so far at A&M on Saturday, overcoming a lot of adversity and winning the game 26-20. And now you look up in Alabama, work to be done, but the Tide's the only unbeaten team in the SEC West, Drew. So quite a turnaround from where a lot of people thought this team would be. Well, they've grown. There's no doubt about it. The defense has settled in. It's gotten, uh, you know, better since the Texas loss. Uh, really, when you go back and look at it, Alabama's really only had one bad quarter defensively all year. That came when they lost, when they had the bad fourth quarter against Texas and gave up 21 points. They were, people kind of forget they were ahead 16 to 13 headed to the fourth quarter, uh, you know, against Texas. So, uh, but I mean, I think we see some development, some confidence. Uh, by Jalen Milrow. He's done a nice job. I thought, I think I said on your show last week, I thought he had to be the MVP of the game to win it in, uh, in College Station. And along with the defense and what they did the second half, I thought Milrow uh, played an exceptional half. Uh, you know, he, 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 I thought he was solid in the first half, too. Uh, but I thought he really took some steps forward as a passer, uh, especially in the short and intermediate game. Uh, and I thought Tommy Reese did a great job of realizing, you know, at halftime, look, I mean, A&M's strength of their team is their defensive line and their front. Uh, they were loading the box. Alabama was not going to be able to run it real effectively. Uh, so the running game had to become the short, intermediate passing game. The weakness for A&M going in was the secondary, and I thought that was the case. And I said I thought going in that Milrow needed to have 300 all-purpose yards uh, count for two or three touchdowns, turn it over one or less times. He did all that. Uh, the thing, I thought he would do a little bit more with his legs, and I thought the running game would be a little bit better, but it wasn't. But in a lot of ways, uh, it showed, you know, uh, it was uh, a lot of growth from Milrow uh, in just a few weeks' time that he was able to throw the ball as well as he was. I thought, except for three or four throws, his ball placement was outstanding. Uh, you know, even the interception was just a half beat too late. I mean, I think if he throws that ball a half beat earlier, it's a completion. But, again, those things happen. And Alabama canceled it out with Caleb Downs, the freakazoid, uh, getting the interception on the next play. So, And then Burton's fumble, while Alabama did lose the turnover battle, which if you had told me going in, Gary, Alabama's going to run for 23 yards. They're going to lose the turnover battle 2-1. to one. They're going to have 14 penalties. I thought there was no way in Hades they were going to win the football game. But – they found a way to win it, and I, I take encouragement out of that because they didn't play their A game to beat Dirt Neck, so they were able to, you know, win the game, not play their best, and have enough to work on to get better, and I think they did that. Uh, now, it, the only unfortunate parts of the game is a couple of injuries, Malachi Moore and James Burnup, but you got to give Will Reichert a lot of credit for coming in cold and averaging 41 yards a punt, and then, of course, I thought the secondary got reworked, Terry on Arnold did a great job. Had the, a great pass breakup. It was one of the bigger plays in the game from that star spot where he had to kind of take over for Malachi. So I thought it was a really good team win, and I think you saw a lot of growth from Milrow. And we know, I, I said it on your show last week, he's the dude, man. He's going to be the dude, and this is a huge fork in the road win for him. He's got a chance to continue to grow, and this Alabama team's got everything in front of them. They've got a tricky game with Arkansas coming up at 11 a.m., on Saturday morning back inside Bryant-Denny. But this is a team that got better. And I thought, even, and it sounds weird, they gave up six sacks. I think some of them were still on Bill Rowe, and that's to, up to him to continue to mature, uh, read the blitz a little bit better. And I think on the blitz, on that one blindside hit, 
there was a miscommunication. I think, you know, Proctor made a mistake. But, you know, that, that's all stuff that's fixable. Uh, and hopefully this offense will continue to evolve. But I thought, for the most part, there were steps made in every phase. And it was a really tough environment to play in. They beat a good A&M team. And, and now they've got a lot to play for going forward. Drew, I think you've said a lot there with the fact that they didn't have their A game, they didn't play their best, and they still won in a hostile environment against a good team. I mean, that, that says volumes. Uh, but there, there are still a lot of mistakes to clean up. Saban said it yesterday. You just said it. And, you know, 14 penalties for 99 yards when your opponents get, opponent gets, uh, penalized four times for 19. That's a lot of difference in the game. And it's, it's something that we've seen now the last couple, three years with this Alabama team after being one of the least penalized teams through most of Saban's tenure. We've seen that change. Now, pre-snap penalties are what they are. I mean, they're not, you know, there's no mistake there, but it does seem like that. And, and this is a slippery slope. I'm on to ask you this question, but I've been contending now for the last couple of years. I don't think the officials go out with any idea of saying, Hey, we're going to. We're going to, you know, slant the officiating toward a particular team. I'm not saying that at all. I do think that officials are human. I do think humans work in the SEC office. And I do think that with the success that Alabama had had under Saban, there had been a lot of resentment toward Alabama and a lot of talk about Bama, um, bias and Bama gets the calls and Bama gets the breaks and the SEC office in Birmingham. You know where I'm going with this. It's just gone. It went on and on and on to the point that I wonder if there's almost a, an anti-Bama bias, meaning this officials are in a game and they're not going to get tagged with, well, uh, we, we showed favoritism toward Alabama. So while it's not a conscious decision, I wonder if subconsciously, um, it's just like, if it's a close call, you know, we're going to, we're going to hit Bama with it because this, other than the Middle Tennessee game, it's been the same thing with penalties this year for Alabama. Just, uh, I know it's a, well, I've said a lot there, but I want you to just react. Do you think there's any any chance of that being the case? No, I just think the officiating is bad. Okay. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, look, there's a shortage of officials in high school uh, because it, it's, and it's tri- and, and that stuff kind of trickles down because I, I do think that while – they do put a lot of work into it. Uh, to me, I think you need full-time officials. I've said this before. I think you need full-time officials in college and the pros. Once you work up to that level, because look, with NIL, Gary, it's basically the pros in college now too. So there's so much money involved in these, in, 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 in college football and, and in professional football. I think you need full-time officials. Uh, and I need the, I think these guys need to, you know, be haunting their craft all the time because it's just too important. I just think that officiating is in some ways just not incompetent, but just not good. Okay. And, and I think sometimes I think they overemphasize things to the point where they look for stuff. For example, I, you know, I, and I, I, and I called it on social media. I called it a BS call. I thought the blindside block was a BS call. Now, should Dallas Turner have done it? No. I think it's a valuable lesson for him. What you have to do, and it's not just being Alabama, it's anybody in the SEC. If you're in a big game and you make a big play like that and you're behind a play, don't touch anybody, okay? Because I think with this blindside block stuff and all this player safety that they're emphasizing, they're almost looking for stuff, Gary. They're looking for targeting, which they overemphasize, and sometimes they take it too far. Mm-hmm. You just have to you have to be careful, 
okay? And and to be honest, I'm not even sure it was a blindside block because Dallas was in front of the guy, okay? But they ended up calling it, and it cost Alabama seven points. So it's a valuable lesson to learn, especially in a win. It didn't cost you the game. So and and I thought Alabama's defense responded in kind. I think they even played with more intensity, and it led to the safety. And then the football guys have a way of working that out for you, Gary. Because any other time, you and I both know McClellan probably catches the ball with his knee down, and it's a blown dead play. But instead, by the luck of the uh, you know the football guy, he bobbles it. He gets it. By the time he gets control of it, it's a legal play. He's not down, and he turns around and gets the first down. Then Alabama compounds things by, and I, I, I thought Saban's explanation was rational. They were afraid of a review, even though they should have known. I could tell by the way Jace reacted. He was so joyous that he knew he caught it, and it was a legal play. He was like, yes, 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 we've, we've got it. And so, but Alabama was nervous, and Milrow, you have to understand, Jalen is still not, even though he's a third-year guy, you both know he doesn't have many starts under his belt. And so they're trying to hurry and get up to the line of scrimmage. He sees a receiver uncovered, and so he kind of freaks out and's like, oh, this is a free play. <laughs> you know, or let's hurry up and get this out of here. And, and it almost turned into a crystal ball, by the way. That's what that's called from now to yeah, point forward. <clears throat> well, I'm glad you pointed that out because, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, Jalen did yeah. – uh, didn't mention that yesterday. Yeah, yeah that was on him. Uh, you're right. They were hurrying, I think, worried about the possibility of a review. But yeah. He learned, you know, yeah. you never, ever throw the ball in that situation. They've got no, no. timeouts. Even if the wide receiver's uncovered no. and out there clapping his hands like bitch. Now, if he throws the ball uh, on time and he, and he hits him in the chest, he probably does run it's down the sideline. Probably. Touchdown. But yeah. it's, uh, you know, right, he, probably. But he learned from that. Yeah, that's, you, you can't, that can't happen. You can't leave any time on the clock there. And, uh, they almost, they almost did that. But as you said, it's a learning, it's a learning curve every week for this quarterback and for this team. You also said something earlier too that I subscribe to. And that is that this is a dangerous game Saturday because Arkansas, forget the record. Saban said that yesterday and he's right. They're capable. You know, they, they could have won some of these games they've lost. They've lost 10 games since last season, eight of them by a touchdown or less. And if you all of a sudden, you know, people, been questioning you. Not going to win at Ole Miss. I'm not winning home against Ole Miss. Might struggle at State. Going to lose at A&M. Now everybody's back on the bandwagon. Oh, homecoming. This is an easy game. Got to get ready for Tennessee and then the bye week in LSU. No, you got to get ready for this week, right, Drew? Well, yeah, you do. And, and again, you've, you're a little banged up, so the secondary may be reconfigured because it's probably a high ankle sprain for Malachi. And don't forget, and nobody knew it until the game started, Gary, and Coach Saban, another tidbit he gave was I, I think they, they didn't realize it till late in the week that Dalcourt wouldn't be able to go with the shoulder. And so Jaden Roberts didn't get a lot of reps with the ones and then started. I thought he and I thought well. did a pretty good job. I mean, I know he got a couple of those penalties late, the, the flinches and everything, but other than that, if you, if you constitute it, Gary, even in a place like Alabama, okay, which is one of the best football programs in America, historically the best ever. If you get down to your third-string guys, it starts making a difference, okay? So he's the third-string right guard because Dalcourt's the starter. Ferguson practiced but was still out, did not play. So he's a third-team guy. He's never started a game in his life. All of a sudden, he's thrown into the fire and starting. And then when you, you compound it, we all know that, uh, that uh, you know, Seth McLaughlin has had a, a thumb problem. He's not completely healthy. And guess who the second-string center is? Dalcourt. So guess what? If McLaughlin gets hurt, you're at the third-string center with Brockermeyer. 
That is hard to do, okay? But Alabama, I thought, did a good job. I thought Jaden Roberts, uh, especially in pass protection, uh, I thought he did a, good, a nice job. He showed a lot of potential. It really raises a question now when Dalcourt gets healthy and then Ferguson, with Roberts playing as well as he did, does he get a chance to start? Is yeah. it an open competition? Yeah. I mean, because and now I will say this: I think Alabama coming out of spring and fall, I think they had a lot. They liked their depth a lot better inside, and we saw that with Jaden Roberts. Because as you know, with the transfer portal, everybody, Gary, you've been asking a million times too. The left tackle, you know, the what? Why don't uh, Why don't you know you put so and so in? Look, they're all a bunch of freshmen, except well, they really all are. Okay. Because Caden Crocker is a true freshman. Elijah Pritch is a redshirt freshman. Uh, Formby's a freshman. McVeigh's a freshman. They're all left. They're all in the transfer portal. So you've got nothing but a bunch of young cats. So you've got to play young players, and they're going to grow. And right now they're rotating at left tackle. They're playing both guys, which is probably smart, Gary, because you're trying to get both guys some experience because you never know when injuries could hit. So they're trying to develop some depth. And, t- and take them through the fire. And I thought that, you know, Proctor made some mistakes, but I thought he made some some strides too. And now going forward, and this kind of piggybacks off to the Arkansas game, this is an Arkansas team that is capable. They've, they've, they've been losing close games. They have a senior quarterback. Now their offensive line is a little bit, has been struggling. So with this Alabama front, the way they're playing, you would think that would pretend well for Alabama. But what Alabama needs to do against Arkansas is they need to get their running game going again. The next evolution for this offense, we saw them throw the ball well. We saw the receiver core, which I think, honestly, they had a couple drops Saturday. But for, for what we saw in the spring and fall, the receivers have played pretty well. They've been pretty consistent. Now the way you build on it is you've got to get the running game going. And I'll be interested to see if Coach Reeves and this offensive staff, Wolford, if they start burying the running game up a little bit. Instead of always, we've seen it mostly be between the tackles and the centering guard. It's been a lot of inside run. I want to see if they start doing some outside stuff because I think they can do that. And I'd also like to see, I know Roy Dell and, and McClellan are the two dudes. They're the, they're the experienced guys. I'd like to see Jam Miller and Justice Haynes get a little bit more involved as the second part of the season goes because, again, it's about workload, too. You want to keep guys fresh. And I'd like to see them maybe attack the edges a little more and bury this running game and also have Milrow use his legs more because, again, Milrow, the way he's improving, he is becoming the biggest weapon on this offense with his ability to stretch the field and throw the deep ball and getting better with the intermediate stuff. And then the next step, though, is to be a dynamic runner, which you saw in Starkville he was able to do at times. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, great synopsis there, uh, Drew. I want to ask you about the Braves because uh, you and I both know <laughs> if they go down 0-2 the way the Dodgers and the Orioles have, going back to Philly, it, it, it was not going to be uh, probably a good outcome for Atlanta. But they rally. They get that unbelievable win last night. I still think this is not working out the way MLB uh, wanted it to. You have teams that win 100 games, and then they have to sit and wait. Those those wild card teams play games. They're in their rhythm, and it certainly doesn't seem to be working out well for the, the division champions. But the Braves got even last night. Can they go up there and get one at, at Philly and force this into a game five back in Atlanta? Well, I think so. I think it was huge. I felt like going into the series, they needed to, and I know this sounds weird because you want to say win the first two at home, but Philly's a really good ball club, and I, it, 
And to be honest, if you had told me, I would have thought they would have won the first one, then Wheeler would have got them. But the the opposite happened. And so uh, they needed a split to me. And I would go with Elder in game three and then try to get five innings out of him and then set the bullpen up. Then I'd go with Strider in game four. Then you'd have Freed potentially for a game five back home. Uh, I knew this series was going to be tough. The Phillies are really talented. And a lot of postseason baseball is, you know, is how healthy you are, especially on the mound. And unfortunately for the Braves, Charlie Morton's out for this series. Yeah. You know, Freed yeah. came back yesterday, and he had missed the last two weeks of the season with the blisters. And then Strider's had a heavy workload. Elder has too, but Elder at least has been in the postseason before. He pitched well last year and when they won the World Series. So he has a little bit of experience. He's a guy that was an all-star this year. So to me, you go with him instead of going with a, you know, a, a, a with Smith Strother, who's a rookie. You might have that kid in relief. Now, it's unfortunate they've lost Kyle Wright, and they're going to lose him for next year. I mean, that's very, very unfortunate. So for the future, I think the Braves are going to have to invest in some more starting pitching. But right now, to me, you've got three healthy starters that were in your rotation all year. I think you stick with them. You've already pitched Strider. You've already pitched uh, Freed. I would go with Elder. I would try to set the bullpen up. The bullpen has been pretty good. And hopefully the last three innings, the Braves' bats have woken up. Now, Noah has been tough in the past, but the Braves have touched him up. They're going to a ballpark that's a hitter's park, okay? Billy is a, a place where you can hit the baseball. Hopefully this Braves lineup is going to get back to, you know, raking like they did since with this explosion. But if they can get to at least get it back to Atlanta, I'd have to like their chances with Freed on the mound, no question about it. But I felt like this was going to be a four- or five-game series. I still feel that way. And if the Braves can get to the next round and get Morton back, it would be huge. So, uh, but again, so much, the hardest sport to predict is Major League Baseball because, like you just got through saying, Gary, just because you win a hundred. I remember in 2001 when the, when the Diamondbacks won it. That year, the Mariners, I think, won 116 games or something. I mean, they were far and away the mm-hmm. best team, but they didn't even make the World Series. That's right. Because it's the weirdest sport ever. That's right. Because you, it's, a, it's all about how healthy you are and how hot you get. And so, baseball, there is no guarantees. And so, that's why a lot of times the favorite doesn't win, but the Braves have still got a great shot. And maybe that was kind of one of these, you know, these moments that you always stick in your head during a championship run that maybe this was the impetus for the start last night at Truist Park. Yeah, you said it. Um, the, the best team in baseball is a team that wins the most games during the regular season, but that team does not always win the World Series. In fact, more times than not, it doesn't. But I love it when we see something we've never seen, uh, a playoff game end on an 8-5-3 double play. Uh, that, you know, sports is just sports. There's still things that, that you see sometimes that you've never seen before, and we saw that last night. Hey, great stuff as always, Drew, and I know you're uh, you're talking and writing and, and podcasting all the time. So uh, kind of fill everybody in. Yeah, they can follow me on Drew D nine seven seven ESPN on my X account. I'm still getting used to that. Uh, and uh, they can certainly follow our station at nine seven seven ESPN. Uh, you can listen to Talking Ball seven to nine a.m. every Monday through Friday, three days a week. Now I'm uh, doing a segment on our Morning Blitz show from nine to ten a.m. So uh, doing that, enjoying it. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be doing some writing as well. Uh, you know, Alabama basketball is getting ready to tip off. I know they're going to have a a scrimmage at Wake Forest, an exhibition here at the end of this month. Uh, looking forward to that, seeing this team. 
Uh, and then, of course, the recruiting's going well, both in football and basketball, and we have that covered from every angle. And uh, we always enjoy being on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 109 every Tuesday. Appreciate it. Thank you, Drew. Have a great day. <laughs> 9.51 here on the Gary Harris Show, and uh, we're winding it down. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. We'll be back right after this. On the next Inside the Locker Room with Coach Wimp Sanderson and Barry Sanderson. Tune in Wednesday. We'll take your phone calls the first hour. Also hear from Bill Cameron uh, and get the Auburn port as the Auburn Tigers travel over to LSU. We'll also nudge Dad to find out what he's thinking about the Blue Play Special for Thursday. Inside the Locker Room, weekdays 7 to 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205 345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. The high for this afternoon around 81. For tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 61. Tomorrow, a cloudy day. We'll have the chance of some light rain at times. The high in the middle 70s, around 76. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 954, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We appreciate Drew DeArmond, uh, as always, jumping on with us. Hey, YMCA of uh, Tuscaloosa is uh, your place to get fit, man. And if you're interested in fitness classes, they've got them all. I mean, I'm looking over the calendar right now, and how about... This diverse choice that you have for fitness classes, hybrid fitness, Y-cycle, hit boxing, body sculpt, Parkinson's boxing, yoga stretch, balance and fit, Y-cycle, X-factor boot camp, Zumba basic, functional fit, fit forever. I mean, barbell 101, morning mobility, power chair circuit, dance and burn, Pilates, I mean, there's XYZ. There's something for everybody. Yoga Lotties. I mean, if you want to get fit in a fun environment with some other folks that uh, are like-minded, the YMCA of Tuscaloosa has a fitness class for you. Call them today to find out more at 205-345-9622 or get by and see them 2300 13th Street in Tuscaloosa or go to YMCA Tuscaloosa. Dot org. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the first hour of the Gary Harris Show. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It really is just a better way of banking. Join today and feel good about your money. Coming up in hour number two, it's the Titans Report with Kayla Anderson at 10-15. We'll get to some Sam Pittman, Arkansas head coach audio in the upcoming game against the Crimson Tide. It's homecoming for Alabama. Gosh, I'm dreading 11 a.m. with a 7 a.m. homecoming parade. All that coming up in the second hour. Plus, we'll get to more phone calls. In fact, Jim's been on hold for a while. We'll lead off the second hour with Jim on the First of Main Condos hotline. Keep it dialed in for hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, your home for Alabama sports.
Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Look, Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Picture us as industry has evolved. It will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend to reminisce on college days or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. Get a meat and three vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 822. Again, that's 822. The code is 822. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Tuscaloosa businessman Gene Fujipool, his wife and fellow Tuscaloosans have begun a long bus ride from Israel to Jordan. It's an attempt to catch a flight back to the United States. They are among hundreds of Alabamians caught in Israel during the Hamas terror attacks. A former CIA director and retired four-star general Michael Hayden is suggesting on social media that Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville be removed from the human race and the Democratic National Committee ordering Alabama Democrats to adopt new bylaws by February the 1st. The state party says it will comply. The latest local news in Tuscaloosa. Alabama sports updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show, presented by Diet Pepsi, on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show for this Tuesday. October 10, 2023. I'm your host, Gary Harris. Justin Jones, Manning the Controls. We also got Noah Haynes hanging out with us this hour. The Gary Harris Show brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. Integrity and excellence are the driving force behind the firm and its staff. Clients and prospective clients are treated with respect and care right here in West Alabama. We at Patterson Comer invite you to contact us with any questions concerning legal issues that are a result of personal injury, wrongful death, product liability, 18-wheeler accidents, 
or just a regular old fender bender. Our business is to take care of your needs. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. That's PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. All right, we're going to start off this second hour by jumping out on the First of Maine Condominiums hotline and talk to Jim. Good morning, Jim. Hey, going back to the baseball playoffs, which I don't like, you know, the wild card stuff. When uh, when you finish, like, say, the Phillies last year and this year, like 14 games behind, everybody right. on the 16 games behind the Dodgers. Right. I mean, the wild card teams are playing with house money. There's no pressure on them. You're it right. is on the team that won the 100 games. So that's, you know, I, you know, of course, it can't be fixed because they want as many teams as possible right. in the playoffs for months, stuff like that. Now, going back to just that uh, – Play where Milro threw that pass when he should have just kneeled. Uh, I'm reading his quotes where he says, "You know, he's you know he's learned from it. No, he should have just handed the ball off, something he can build on." And then he says again, "He should he should have just handed the ball off." And I'm going, "No, no, no! You should take a knee." I mean, so I hope somebody sits down with him and, and uh, explains to him in certain situations you don't hand the ball off like late like that because, like I say, you see what happened to Miami. Yeah, right? you do. But yeah. I, I'll tell you this: I see teams do it every week, and he did say hand the ball off, which makes you think that that's uh, maybe what they were planning to do. But um, yeah. it was convoluted there a little bit, Jim. As we talked about, as I talked about with Drew, what happened obviously was you got the third down play. McClellan makes the great catch and gets the first, which you're right. A&M's got no timeouts. It should end the game. And even though it was a legal catch, I think Alabama probably in the booth was saying, hey, let's run a play before they can review this thing. Thinking, worried, maybe they would review it. Maybe his knee was down when he caught it. So uh, what happened, as you saw and I saw, is that you've got Malik Benson there on the outside uncovered. And he was uncovered. And, you know, A&M's brushing their defense up, and he's sitting there clapping. And I think Jalen in the moment just saw the receiver clapping, rushed to the line of scrimmage, and out of instinct just kind of threw the ball. You saw how he hurried the ball. He threw it in the ground. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was a terrible throw. I mean, I mean no doubt, he, he kind of, like, lost, you know, what was going yeah, on. Yeah, he did. He got, he, he got, he, he panicked. Just think, just, oh. Yeah, just say he thinks they may do a replay, so he's hurt. He could have took us a knee. That would have been even quicker than Trump trying to hold pass, you know. That's right. I agree. I mean, I agree with you 100%. Like you said, it's a learning moment. But I I know what you're saying. Yesterday, he didn't say, well, I got to take a knee in that situation. He said, I got to hand the ball off on the situation. But I have seen teams, and of course, obviously, you got the the Miami situation. But um, you see teams every week, at least until like that final play, um, you know, they'll go ahead and and hand the ball off and, and look to, I guess, run the clock and get a little positive yardage. I'm with you. If, if mathematically the other team can't win the game, uh, you've just got to take the snap and get down on the ground and, and let the clock run out. Yeah. So, but, but don't go over all that, Jim. Yeah. And the thing about it, you know, now if he's trying to hurry because replay, that would explain why they snapped it so quick. But if that wasn't an issue, they, they still, they still had 18 seconds before they had a snap ball. So they could have two knees would have ended the game instead of going fourth down. Now, you're talking about the referees fights against Alabama. I swear, I thought there's going to at least be a review on that um, last pass of the game on fourth down to see if there's a second left on the clock. Yeah, you know, there. and as much as hard as I was on the officials in that game, especially with the, with the blindside block call, I will say this. They 
they got some, you know, I was worried, first of all, you know, they ruled Smith was a touchdown when he stepped out of bounds. They got that one right on review because I was scared to death they were going to let that touchdown stand. Then on the second time when they got the hold, it was obviously a hold, but at least they called it. You know, at least they did call it. And then at the end of the game, you're right, Jalen probably should have thrown that ball through the end zone rather than throwing it to the sideline. And I was worried about him putting a second back on the clock too. But they got it right. I mean, the ball, the clock runs until the ball hits the ground. And just because the the, the ball crosses the boundary um, in the air, the clock is still running. So it was zero seconds. But you're right, man. I, Jim, you're not the only one. I think a lot of people were worried, oh, my God, they're going to put a second back on that clock, and A&M's going to throw a Hail Mary, and, you know, it's going to tip around, and they're going to win the game 27-26. So, um, yeah. but it all worked out. But you're absolutely 100%. There's some learning moments there. Hey, man, it's like Drew said, this team's learning every week, Jim. That's a good thing about this team, particularly offensively. They're just – they're getting better, you know, and, and they're playing through some mistakes. And, and um, you know, they got a chance, I think, to, to be a really good team. Yeah. Well, you know, going back to the handoff Miami did, you know, this ain't Monday night quarterback. And you remember, a lot, you know, it's been quite a while back. Maybe their coach wasn't born yet. You know, was it the Jacksonville Giants that handed off when he had to take and they fumbled? No, that's way back. Yeah, that was Joe Pasarchi. Yeah, uh, so, so, yeah. And they, they got the so, game. And Herm Edwards, who now we know is a great uh, TV analyst and former head coach, but he was a safety for the Eagles, and he scooped that ball up and returned it for a touchdown, and the Eagles beat the Giants. And yeah. all the Giants had to do was, was take a knee. You're right. Yeah. You know, and one more thing, and I know, you know, the bigger college is good, but – I've said this a long time ago. If I, if I own an NFL team, I'm going to hire one guy. His whole job, all his job is, is to have a chart and everything else to keep up when you should take time out and when you shouldn't, like towards the end of the game. You know, I've seen teams take a time out, you know, with 205 left. You know, on the, so they're saving five seconds. If they just let the clock tick down five seconds, they could save 40 seconds on the other side of the clock. By <laughs> Having that time out left, you know, right? They just and I think Seattle over the years, they seem to be the best at managing their timeouts at the end of a game. You know, Whereas, there's there's a there's a science yeah. to it. Uh, there's no doubt about it, man. Yeah, yeah. Great All stuff, right, Jim. You, you studied this pretty well, my friend. Thank you. All right, bye bye. All right, good call there, Jim. And uh, it's ten oh eight here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, in the next segment, we'll talk Titans. I mean, the Titans. Gosh, dog, they just uh, had that really good win against the Bengals, and I thought they would go to Indianapolis and win that game, and they didn't, and it just looks like this is a team that might be destined for either 9-8 and eight or 8-9, eight <laughs> which may be good enough to get you in the playoffs. Heck, in the, in the uh, AFC South, it may be good enough to win the division, but, you know, it's, um, it, it is what it is. Pro football, like people have said, it's – I. Can't say eight and eight anymore, or seven and seven, because you'd be fourteen games. Then it went to sixteen. Now they're up to seventeen games. So you can't say every, it, the, the NFL is designed to go for every, everybody to go eight and eight, but uh, um, it is designed probably to go eight and nine or nine and eight. Hey, speaking of uh, pro football, I didn't even mention the Monday night game last night, but. Uh, the Raiders were hosting the uh, Packers, and there were probably as many Green Bay Packers fans in Las Vegas last night as there were Raiders fans. But um, that seemed to fire the Raiders up. I, I think they did take offense to the fact that, hey, there's as much, you know, 
uh, green and gold in here as there is uh, silver and black. And heck of a football game, physical football game. The Packers just, uh, man, they just seem to blow one one um, opportunity after another on offense to, to win the game. And uh, as a result, uh, the Raiders get a badly needed win over the um, Packers 17-13 to get to 2-3 and three on the season. Green Bay also falls to 2-3. and three. Good game for uh, Josh Jacobs, who had really been struggling after coming to terms on that uh, one-year contract with uh, the Raiders. But last night, a little bit better game. Uh, just 69 yards on 20 carries, but he did have a touchdown, and he caught five passes for 20 yards. So fantasy-wise, yeah, he wasn't bad last night. I think he wound up with somewhere around the vicinity of – uh, 14, 15 points, somewhere in that range. Uh, Justin, you probably play fantasy, don't you? I'm looking at my fantasy yeah, team right now. How, tell me how many points uh, that Josh Jacobs had last night. He had a pretty good game. And um, I think probably around 15, 14, 15 points for the former Alabama running back. But uh, Jordan Love, the Packers quarterback, three interceptions in the game. And that was just too much to overcome. Yeah, Josh Jacobs had about 20. 20 points. Oh, even more. Okay. 20 attempts for 69 yards. I'm sure he got most of his points in the receiving game. Okay. And then uh, had a touchdown. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Good game for him. Like I said, I, I don't play fantasy anymore, so I get confused with the scoring. But, um, um, yeah, and someone else, um, Joe Gaither from Bama Central in his league said that um, Jacob's got 17.4 points. So there you go. Not a bad game. All right, it's 10-12 uh, here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get to the break and uh, leave plenty of time to come back with Kayla Anderson for the Titans report. Find out, uh, you know, where Tennessee's at, man. It's an up-and-down football team trying to build a little consistency. We'll visit with her next right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. The sports talk stations can be heard on AM and FM right now, and we love that. You're home for Alabama Sports. We're back after this. Hey, Crimson Tide fans, if you have an automobile. Since 2011, Billy's Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. The high for this afternoon around 81. For tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 61. Tomorrow, a cloudy day. We'll have the chance of some light rain at times. The high in the middle 70s, around 76. I'm James Spam of the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. All right, 1014 here on the Gary Harris Show, and it's time to visit with my friend Kayla Anderson, part of the Ramon, Kayla, and Will Show on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, former Emmy winning sports anchor on television and uh, she joins us every Tuesday for the Titans report and breaks it down as about as well as anybody I know and uh, this team uh, is, is got a lot to break down Kayla <laughs> from, from yeah. week to week good morning how are you 
I'm good, Gary. Hope y'all are doing good. Yeah, it's it's almost like we're on one of those roller coaster rides and we don't know which turn is next because that is seriously how I would describe uh this start to the Titan season, at least. Yeah, me too. I, I think we both kind of felt like coming off that really dominant win at home against Cincinnati, I felt like they were going to go to Indianapolis and beat the Colts. I think you probably did too, and it didn't happen. And uh, so now they're two and three. Of course, in this division, I, I, I said earlier, t- the, t- the Titans are destined, it looks like, for either eight and nine or nine and eight, which might be good enough to get you in the playoffs. But I don't know. I, I had some chances in that game, could have won that game, uh, didn't win that game. So, it, you know, I know it's got to be disappointing for, for Tennessee um, in a division game against a team that you feel like you should be able to beat and you don't, even if it's on the road. And I think that's the biggest thing I'll start with was, first and foremost, I think I mentioned this last week, but I think it was important to start to find some consistency at this point of the season, but especially because you're opening up play in AFC South um, competition-wise. You have the Indianapolis Colts, who – you know, coming into this game, the AFC South was all knotted up. And I think it was really important to not only find consistency if you're the Titans, but to be able to take care of the Colts at least to, you know, to start AFC South play, especially because uh, you're getting Anthony Richardson fairly on early in the season while he's still figuring out things. Um, you have to take advantage of that. And look, they were dominating the Colts for the last, you know, five games they had beat the Colts. They were looking for their sixth straight against the Colts, and I think that's the one thing maybe I worried about a little in this game because the Colts look like this season. Um, you know, they had lost to the Titans so many times. It was like it was bound to Uh-oh. Caleb. Kayla, you're cutting out bad. You still with us? Come back to life. Justin, you want to try her again? Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's let's uh, try her back because uh, she hit a spot there where we completely lost her. So we try to stay with it because a lot of times, as you know, cell phones will come back in, and a lot of times we'll we'll ride through it. But we uh, we completely lost the signal there. So Justin, good to be back on the phone. It's amazing how these things work. Or don't work, as we know. Sometimes you you lose somebody, and then you call them back, and you and you uh, you get them right back, and ho- it's a clean signal. So hopefully that'll be the case. If not, if she's totally out of range, and Justin might not be able to get her, but we'll we'll see. Justin, just give me a thumbs up. All right, we're going to try it again. And uh, Kayla, we tried to ride it out there with you, but that time we lost you completely. So hopefully the redial will will get you back up. But we lost you kind of midstream in your thought there. Yeah, I and uh, I don't know if I hit a dead spot or what, but I'm back. Um, I think the biggest thing that disappointed me, though, Gary, was while we have looked at this team in the past several years and thought, okay, the defense, you don't really have a ton to worry about. The defense in this game really was worrisome. I agree. And I say that because they had been a solid run defense in terms of, you know, overall just the past couple of years. I mean, they had not allowed 100 yards. Uh, rushing in like 10 consecutive games. They hadn't allowed a 100-yard rusher individual in 20 tries. And then that all came to a sudden stop last weekend. And not because it was Jonathan Taylor, but Zach Moss. I mean, the guy had a day against the Titans. And I just think whatever 
happened up front, which was not enough, it really did the trickle-down effect. The linebackers weren't good. The secondary gave up too many big plays in thir- on third downs. And I think the defense, more so than anything in this game, Gary, I kind of put the blame on. Wow. Uh, and and I know that you're right. They gave up the, the run uh, – game was just not defensively was not there and then Kristen Fulton the the corner continues to have all kinds of problems a lot of discussion about he might be benched any update on that yeah so I'll tell you what we were fielding calls all day yesterday and majority of them were on the subject of Kristen Fulton and he has for being a, a corner that's supposed to be a number one corner on this team he has not been living up to the bill he it was dealing with injuries the first two years of his career he went and did some training on his own he came back this year has dealt with a little bit more of the injury bug but for the most part you know he's been healthier but when he's on the field Gary I think he's doing too much I think in a contract year instead of just doing a solid job and doing enough to you know win games I think he's he's going for those interceptions and trying to build up his resume in this contract here. And I think it's it's hurting him. And there were a lot of fans that were calling for him to get benched. Look, Mike Rabel was asked about it after the game. And he said, I thought about it. He was then followed up this week by it. And Mike Rabel said, we are looking at all options right now. And even did mention there are some guys, some younger guys um, underneath him that could very well, you know, be called up and and hopefully be able to get the job done that's yet to be seen uh we'll see at practice tomorrow what's going on in terms of that but uh look christian fulton's string is very thin right now so the titans are two and three and of course obviously you hope to go three and three and and uh uh but it's not going to be it's not going to be easy when you look at this ravens team even though it's in Nashville uh, before the Titans get to the bye, I mean, I would argue, Kayla, that this is the best three and two team in the league. I mean, they ought to be five and zero. Oh. Let's just let's just cut through the chase. I mean, they gave games away against the Colts and the Steelers, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, yeah. they were nasty on defense against the Steelers, and, and you know, two hundred and something yards offense to forty in the first half. But they let Pittsburgh hang around. That's what Pittsburgh does. You let them hang around, they'll find a way to beat you, and they did. So the Ravens aren't going to be in a good mood. Um, they're three and two, probably feel like they should be five and zero. Oh, and this is a game for them that I'm sure they're saying, Hey, we're going to go to Nashville and we're going to curb stomp the Titans at the same time for the Titans. It's, it's, uh, it's protect your home field and get back to 500. So this is a really interesting matchup to me. Well, and Gary, it's actually in London. And oh, so, that's right. Uh, that's right. It's this, London. I'm yeah. sorry. It's London. Yeah, You're no. going. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, because the Titans are the home team. And and here's where I'm going to bring something up because it is in London. I found out yesterday um, the the uh, Harbaugh decided to bring his team over there way earlier this year. They got whooped a couple years ago um, in London and because they had decided to go later in the week. And just the adjustment, what they felt was not enough in terms of the time. Um, and it was a poor performance. So, Harbaugh decided this year, I'm getting my team there earlier. So they actually uh, arrived in London yesterday. Wow. And, yeah, and so they're going to have plenty of time to adjust to the time. Meanwhile, the Titans, they're not leaving till practice 
on Thursday till after practice. Whoa. So this is going to be a really interesting situation. We saw with the Jags being there two weeks in a row. Um, clearly, I think they, this is my personal opinion, I think they had a little bit of an advantage over the Bills that were there for a short time. Um, and I think now this will be an interesting test, at least, for teams in the future. you got one team leaving later in the week, another team arriving earlier. I know some people doesn't think that has a difference. Look, I've talked to a lot of people that live in London or pros that have gone over there. Um, I think it does contribute to the way you're able to play a game and keep that energy throughout it. So that's something to watch, Gary. That, that worries me a little bit that the Ravens might have the advantage there. But, yeah, they also have a quarterback who I think is playing really well. Um, he's had some receivers that have not helped him out, especially last week. Um, and that defense is always something to be worried about. These two teams, too, they don't like each other. That's right. That's, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be, if, if the Titans were missing anything last year or last week, um, which I could name a lot of them, but one of the biggest things that stood out to me, Gary, they got out physical. Defensive line got out physical by the Colts offensive line, who was missing pieces, mind you. The, the Titans have been known for their physicality, especially up front on defense. They have to be able to bring it next week or this weekend, I should say, it's got to be the more physical team in London, or they're going to have no chance. Yeah, folks, I'm glad. Of course, I know Kayla's going over, and I'm glad she's mentioned that because if you show up at the Nissan Stadium on, on Sunday at noon, there'll be plenty of good seats available, but the game will <laughs> be over. So but you know what always throws me is that when you look at the schedule, it's still, and maybe sometimes a little after, but it still just lists at, it. Every time they play in London, it's still just listed as a home game. You know what I mean? Yep. And you have to scroll down. Yep. And I didn't, you know, even though you said last week it's in London, it caught me off. But uh, is that an advantage? You know, you already talked about the Ravens getting over there early after they had gotten beat badly the last couple of years. Maybe it'll be an advantage, though, for the for the Titans to stay at home longer and just focus yeah. and, and prepare and then just go over there and play the game as opposed to uh, being over there all week. We'll find out, I guess. And- we will. And look, Rabel said that this week. He was asked about it on Monday in the press conference. Um, he thinks that this is the best way they're prepared for it because they can do everything they need to, including some of the rehab mm-hmm. at home this week. And then you don't really have to bring much on the road. They've got a, a light practice on Friday. Um, and other than that, there's a walkthrough Saturday. So he thinks that's the best way to approach it for him and his team. And I'm, I'm okay with that, right? Whatever works for your team. And, and Harbaugh is trying something different this year. So maybe that doesn't play into it, or maybe that is an advantage for the Titans. Uh, that we'll have to see how it plays out on Sunday. But one thing I do know is at some point, Gary, like this team has to put it all together and find some consistency because win one game, lose one game, that, that's just not going to get it done. That's right. All right. I know you got to get to a meeting. One final point that I want you to uh, speak to is that the fact that one good aspect of this Titans team offensively is Tannehill and Hopkins really seem to be developing some rhythm now. Oh, yeah. This was Hopkins' first 100-yard game in the two-tone blue, and we actually kind of talked about this in our pregame show on Titans Radio. We had a feeling that this could be the game, right? He's been really inching close closer to that. Um, type of game where you knew he was really starting to build that trust with Ryan Tannehill. And now that he's healthy, uh, you thought, okay, when's going to be the breakout game? And I, obviously it was last weekend. It was 
kind of unfortunate that it happened on a losing note because he just looked incredible and he's been so money on certain situations, third down situations he's been big on. Just making that big catch, right? Mm -hmm. The Titans didn't have that last year. They didn't have that guy where you just knew like most of the time he was going to get that ball. And that's why, Gary, this sounds crazy. But right now I'm not as like worried about the offense because I actually see them taking steps in the right direction. The one thing that they have to fix, they have to have to convert in the red zone. That is something that this offense has not taken the step forward in doing. Now the flow of the game is coming, utilizing different weapons. Tajay Spears is becoming a, a prime guy in this offense of Tim Kelly's, but they've got to convert in the red zone. Once they start doing that, I think you start to see that this offense could have something. It's the defense that is, for me, I've seen more decline than anything. So mm. I, I just hope that that is not a trend we continue to see. Well, thank you so much, Kayla, as always. Listen, be careful. Enjoy your trip across the pond and, and bring back a W for the for the Titans so we can have a little momentum when we talk next week going into the bye week. I appreciate it. I am 2-0 and when I am in the house. So I, I hope that continues overseas. I do, too. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. All right, 1028 here on the Gary Harris Show. And uh, Titans are in London again. Let's make a note of that so that we play in Sunday morning. Yeah, if you uh, if you travel up to Nashville for a noon game, not only is nobody going to be there, but the game will be over. So <laughs> make sure and, and uh, pay attention to that. But I'm telling you, Justin, does throw you. I got the Tennessee Titans schedule up on the ESPN schedule, and it just listed as a home game. So, uh, I mean, there's an asterisk, but you've got to, you know, you got to, to scroll down and find that the asterisk means that it's, uh, uh, you know, played at a neutral location. It's so strange the way they're doing this in London, um, I, especially this past Sunday where the Bills and the Jags played, and it was a Bills home game, mm-hmm. but the Jags had been there for what, two weeks already. It's really, if, if you're the team that it gets tagged as your home game, it's a major disadvantage. Because it counts as your home game, but you lose you lose a game in your own stadium. You know what I mean? So, anyway. All right, uh, 1029, let me talk to you about uh, uh, my good friends at uh, Brick and Spoon. And I got to get Justin over there. His problem is he doesn't get off work uh, in time. But I'm, I'm over there a lot, man. Because, again, I, people that know me know I'm an intermediate faster. I don't eat breakfast early. I, I, eat, I eat breakfast a lot because I eat a Brick and Spoon a lot. But I don't eat it until... You know, usually around eleven thirty or noon, and um, but man, that that is an unbelievable place. I love it. Downtown Timerson Square. I've got my own little Gary Hair special that I put together. It's one pancake, sliced strawberries, two strawberry marmalades, whipped cream. <laughs> it's a dessert pancake. Um, two eggs scrambled with cheese, either bacon or sausage, and a sliced banana. That's my that's my go to breakfast, and boy, I love it. And it's great. Great, great service, great atmosphere, brick and spoon, open every day until 2 o'clock, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. All right, we're wide open for phone calls the rest of the show. We're guest-free from here on out. We are, if we don't get some phone calls, going to get to some Sam Pittman audio, the Arkansas head coach meeting with the media yesterday. And, hey, listen, I like this guy. I mean, he is so positive, even though they're a team that's 0-3 in the SEC, uh, he still feels good about you know, his team's chances coming to Tuscaloosa. We'll hear from the Arkansas head coach next, right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Covering University of Alabama sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
1033. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. And I'm making my comeback, Justin. I, uh, you know, you can't keep me down when it comes to my fearless picks. And I went four and three last week for my first winning week. And then I came back this week and went five and one. Now, I, Chuck always listens and, and, uh, he double track checks this, but if I've got it right, I got myself at five and one last week with Alabama being my only loss. I took, uh, I took A&M plus the one and lost that, but I had Georgia minus the 14 and a half cover, LSU minus the four cover, Arkansas plus the 11 and a half cover, Florida minus the 18 and a half cover, and Mississippi State minus the 20 and a half cover. So five and one and four and three last week. You know what that does? I guess me back to 500 on the year, 24 and 24. So now I got a chance to make a little hay. I don't want to get cocky because 24 and 24 still loses you money because you have to play the, pay the, uh, you know, the, the juice, but it's still 500. And after the start that I got off to, to go nine and four in the last two weeks, that's some momentum right there. That's making you some money. If you've been listening, I don't, uh, bet myself, but I love doing the picks. But as I said, uh, the way I do it, I just pick the SEC games. So it's not like I'm cherry picking three or four games from around the country. It's much di- more difficult when you just pick every game in the conference. I'm uh, not that I'm a, a handicap or anything, but if, you know, I looked at every game around the country and just wanted to pick three or four games, I'd probably have a better record, but I just picked against the SEC. So I'm proud of that five and one last week. And if I had a roll with the tide, I'd be six and oh, which is very hard to do. But five and one, I'll take that for sure. But then again, I got lucky with LSU as well. Um, they covered that line when they were behind late and then covered when they got the, uh, late pick six there at the end of the game. So otherwise they wouldn't have covered. So I'll take five and one. All right. Let's get to Arkansas head coach Sam Pittman. As we know, his team is, uh, is struggling. There's no, there's no way to sugarcoat it. I mean, they're winless in the SEC. They're two and four overall. Um, with close losses, man. I mean, they lost by three at LSU. They lost by 12 in Arlington against Texas A&M. And then they lost by seven at Ole Miss. So they had a chance in every one of those games. And now they're coming to Alabama as the homecoming opponent on Saturday morning. Here's the Arkansas head coach on Monday. Um, we're really excited to go to Alabama. Um, they've got a, a, a great team. Uh, very physical, big. Uh, Milrose playing really good. Their defense is playing exceptional. Um, got a huge offensive line. Burton is a, is a real deal out at wide receiver, kind of running back wise with McClellan, uh, and Williams. Uh, both of them are really, really good runners. Um, Bond's an exceptional wide receiver. So, uh, they've got, you know, they're Alabama and uh, playing really well right now. Big physical football team. Um, but we're excited to go over there and, and, and play uh, play the game. Um, so you said you would say um, after you watched the tape how you thought the O-line going back to how you had it, how that worked. What did you see? And then... As you address the the run game and the offense going forward, what what has to happen for you? Well, um, 
there was so much movement um, that we couldn't stay in front of them. Uh, we couldn't get um, basically the pry backs and some things like that could open some holes up. Uh, we just weren't quick enough to stay in front of them. Um, we practiced and knew what they were going to do in their mint front uh, to their own player, and it just seemed like uh, we were overreaching uh, that situation. It was almost like we weren't quite um, uh, seeing the game like uh, we had practiced it. Um, maybe, maybe their movement was faster. Uh, than what uh, the scout team was uh, able to do. Um, but I, I think, um, you know, because of the age of some of the guys, I don't know that we can uh, make the moves and stay with the moves that that we made. There, there may be one or two, but, uh, you know, I think uh, with Bo being a veteran there, uh, at center, I think we've got to start back there and then uh, work from there. Uh, some of our problems uh, in the RPO when we hand the ball off and we're not blocking a linebacker, um, and we hand the ball off and he makes a play. Uh, sometimes it looks like um, you know an unblocked guy, which he is, but it's designed to throw the football if if he's uh, out of a area and uh, sometimes we handed the ball off and that there was there was a couple two or three times there that the guy made the play and and we weren't accounting for him we were reading him so got a lot of work to do uh, in that area I do think uh, Ole Miss has a really good defense um, they proved that when they played Alabama as well. I had a chance to watch that again. Um, so uh, we've got to get better. Our penalties, um, you know, we're continuing to work on that. It's uh, we've just got to keep the noise going all the time. I believe that might help. Um, you know, there's the rule on that a little bit is, you know, we've got. Uh, linebackers flinching, jumping, yelling, move several different times. I don't know if that's what the rules intended for, uh, but uh, we've got to practice it like that is the rule and, and uh, st- stay in there better. Coach, I was wondering with with Brady Latham specifically, what are you seeing from him on film that's maybe causing him to struggle a little bit this year? Well, I mean, he just. I mean, <laughs> he's jumping. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, he's flinching whenever they say move. Uh, not all the time, but but a lot. You know, he's had several, and and uh, I don't know really how to answer that one. We kind of talked about it after the game on Saturday with, you know, so many close losses. Is there, aside from penalties, is there maybe, you know, one other, a few other common denominators in those that you could, you know, maybe turn those from losses to wins? Well, I think, I think, 
Yeah, I think offensively running the ball successfully, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I think this team here, Alabama, rushed for low hundreds on uh, Ole Miss as well. Uh, not as well, we didn't. But what I'm saying is the consistency of first down, um, you know, we're, we're just putting ourselves in a hole all the time. We're not winning first downs. And, you know, a gain of three would get us to second seven. We've been playing a lot of second 10, second 12, second 13. So I think that would help us uh, with more drives, you know, sustaining some drives. Obviously pretty consistent. We haven't been very good in scoring touchdowns in the red zone. When we get down there, uh, you know, we got a big turnover Saturday. I think it was on the 38 and, uh, you know, kicked a field goal out of it. You know, that would have been a huge momentum for us if we would have went down and scored. Um, uh, we have to move the pocket. We have to move the pocket because we can't protect it. We can't, we can't sit back there and protect, protect him. Uh, uh, and that's okay. We know that. So we, we've got to move the pocket. And, uh, defensively, we just got to get off the field. Uh, on third down a little more often. I thought our secondary had their by far their best game uh, this year. Uh, but, you know, we had a third and 15. We jump off sides, a third and 10, and, and they make the first down. So uh, we just got to be more consistent. We got to, you know, uh, help each other. In other words, we, you know, we go down and score. We take the lead. It's time to get off the field, you know, and give us the ball back and things of that nature. We just got to play better team football. And be more consistent. We're close. Uh, I know uh, for the outside world, it doesn't look like we've got a very good football team. I think we do. Uh, we just got to find a way, like you're, what you're just asking me, and how to how to win at the end. You know. Um, I know you have to take every game one by one, but when the fans saw the schedule that you had and this four game stretch you're in, and this is game number four of it, uh, it just looks so daunting. And I wonder. Uh, are your players able to separate that, like, and and get ready for each game, and you know what I mean, like wipe the slate clean and get and get focused on the next game? Well, I think you've seen that the answer is yes in that. You know what I mean? It's just a new. Explore the beauty. All right, we're coming on back there, and. Uh, he talked a lot about Alabama. Unfortunately, I guess those questions came later in the, in the press conference. So we have to, we have to get to the break, but we wanted to hear, listen, I do admire Sam Pittman. He's so even killed. I think he's a good football coach, great offensive line coach before he, you know, became the head coach at Arkansas and he's done a good job. And I do like what he said about, you know, may not look like it to the outside world, but we're a good football team. They are a good football team. Listen, you can be, I, I, I'm telling you in this league, sometimes you can be a good football team and not know it. Uh, because of the fact that your record doesn't represent it, but, but they're capable. Uh, it's not like they're 0-3 in the SEC and they've been in every one of those games, even the game against A&M that they lost by 12, but they could have just as easily won at LSU as they lost. They, they were, they had the late lead late against Ole Miss. So, um, they're capable and you have to be ready to play. All right. We got one segment to go here on the Gary Harris show. We're wide open for phone calls in that next segment. If you want to, uh, give us a ring, you can give us a call on the first and main condominiums hotline. First and main condominiums, luxury condominiums in beautiful historic downtown Northport. Goodbye and see them today. I live there and they finished 
minutes of the road now between uh, First Street and Main Avenue, and it's gorgeous. It, it was construction for a while. It was kind of a pain, but now it's finished, and uh, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. It's going to add to that already incredible ambiance there. So uh, check it out at the First and Main Condominiums. So we'll be back with one more segment of the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Go inside the Alabama Crimson Tide with the Gary Harris Show. Coming up Wednesday on the Gary Harris Show, we got my main man Matt Coulter on NASCAR. Also, the Bama football recruiting report, your phone calls, and more on the Gary Harris Show. That's Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 a.m. WTBC. Catch the Gary Harris Show Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 a.m. on Tide 100.9 and Tide100.9.com. Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Mostly sunny weather continues today. The high for this afternoon around 81. For tonight, increasingly cloudy with the low at 61. Tomorrow, a cloudy day. We'll have a chance of some light rain at times. The high in the middle 70s, around 76. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama fans are all over the world, and we are too. Download the Tide 100.9 app right now in the App Store and Google Play, and take the Crimson Tide everywhere you go. All right, 1049, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. Gary Harris and Justin Jones uh, with you, and... um, I was hoping Will Miller would call us today, Justin, former uh, intern here at Tide 100.9 FM, now part of uh, Bama Central, their outstanding team, and he's a big baseball guy. And and um, he texted me last night and said, "Hey, I might call in and talk some Braves tomorrow." And and uh, he still might call in. So if, if Will calls in, we'll talk a little little Braves with him. That might be him right there. You know, he might be listening to me. So. Uh, Atlanta, as we said earlier, though, it is what it is. I mean, they're still, they're still behind the eight ball a little bit because they've got to win a game in Philadelphia. But at the same time, if they lose last night, <laughs> I mean, listen, the fat lady's singing if they lose last night. Let's just be honest with it about it. This is Will Miller, former uh, tied uh, 100.9 employee now with Bama Central and going to talk a little uh, Braves baseball the last few minutes here or Major League Baseball in general. Will, I don't think this uh, this format, this playoff format is working out the way that Major League Baseball had hoped with, with all these 101 teams behind the eight ball. But, you know, I'm not sure it's an advantage to play 162 games and then be off four or five or six days, and you got to play teams that just keep on playing. At least it looks that way so far, right? Yeah, I have to agree, Gary. And I think that 
nowhere is that more apparent after the Braves won last night than tonight in Texas where the Orioles will play the Rangers in game three down two to nothing despite winning 101 games in the division title. Uh, but it, it's been something that kind of highlights, in my opinion, the fact that the wild card series was more than likely just made for television. And so it kind of calls into question if the league prioritizing that has actually hurt its product. Oh, it has. No doubt about it in my mind. You, you should listen. Wild cards aren't meant for baseball. You, you play 162 games. You ought to have, um, you know, two division series and then a league championship series and then the world series. You, you don't need wild cards in baseball, but you know, it, if you're a wild card, you love it. Cause you, you know, like somebody called my show today earlier. Well, and I agree with this. You're kind of playing with house money. I mean, you finished 16 games back the way the diamondbacks did or 14 games back the way the Phillies did. And now you get a crack at the team that, that just lapped you in the division, man, for all the pressures on the Dodgers and the Braves and the Orioles and these teams, they got to handle it, but that's, I mean, you got, I think you have a huge advantage as a, as a wild card team. No pressure, dude. If you lose, people say, well, they got into the playoffs, right? Uh, absolutely. And I think the question then falls on the division winners, the top seeds in this equation. Where are they being punished? That's a, a narrative that I've heard around social media and in conversations that I've had. Are the top seeds being punished? How, how can it be that you win 104 games and all of a sudden you, in my opinion, you're still kind of like, to use your phrase, behind the eight ball, having to go play two games in Philly in a tie series, remembering what that environment did to the Braves last season. These top seeds, I mean, they're they're probably pretty upset. I know the O's have got to be. They make the postseason and have a home playoff game for the first time in nine years. The Braves have to be because the Phillies come play in Truist Park 20 times a year and haven't historically had a ton of success. And now all of a sudden they come in game one of the division series and shut you out at home for the first time mm -hmm. in, you know, two years. Yeah, I mean, it is it is what it is. And you said it. They, this is for television. It's to get more teams into the playoffs, to get more eyes on on the television and to have more fan bases engaged. But uh, I'm not a fan of it. Again, I, I think you should have – uh, four teams in the playoffs in each league and, um, you know, three, if you want to do one wild card and let them earn a spot against the top division winner and then let the other two division winners play and get onto the league championship series and get onto the playoffs. And, you know, that's something they're going to have to look at. I mean, you've got these teams that, that barely get in and, um, you know, they win a couple of games and then all of a sudden they got a chance, like you said, to knock off a team that, that, you know, if you play 162 games, it should just be more difficult to, to make, have success in the postseason. Well, I don't know if you remember this. There was a long time that only, you only had a league championship series and a, uh, world series. You didn't even have a divisional series. You know, you had two divisions in each, at least the two division winners would play in the league championship series and the winner went on to the, the world series. That's what it used to be back in the seventies and into the eighties. How about that? <laughs> Well, if I'm not mistaken, the championship series didn't even come around until the 50s. So you're talking about near a century of Major League Baseball being played, depending on how you track it, of basically the regular season is, is a battle to get into pole position. You don't have all this, this third wild card. This no, not at all. Yeah. 85 games. There was none of that. That wasn't how the game was played. My opinion on it is this. Either way you stack the wild card, it's just not baseball. If you have a one-game playoff to determine whether somebody's season is going to be over, 
that's not how baseball works for six and a half months out of the year. And it's also a situation where if you want to have a wild card series, great. But while these teams that have just played 162 games sit idle for a week and get out of that rhythm and that routine that they've had since the springtime and now we're in the dead heat of autumn, I mean, it's, it's just not – it flies afoul of the way baseball works and has worked for the whole season up to that point. Yeah. You're right. Well, what about the Braves? Are they going to be able to go, in your opinion, to Philly and, and uh, get at least one to force this series back to Atlanta for a fifth game, or are they done? Well, it's going to be very difficult uh, tomorrow when you're talking about Aaron Nola on the bump mm-hmm. against presumably Bryce Elder, but here's a guy that for for all of his uh, gusto and bravado in the first half has, has struggled pretty mightily after the All-Star break this past July, and posted something like a marginally over five ERA in the second half of the season. And at this point in the year, that's just not what you want. Do you have confidence in him? If he brings his best stuff, yeah, he can go seven innings. He can go toe for toe with a guy like Aaron Nola, who's been a Cy Young candidate, who's been around the block a time or two, despite not a lot of postseason experience. But that's a big if. And if he can do it, the Braves can win this game three. If not, they're probably going to be in a position where they – have to win two straight in order to move on. Well, we will see. And uh, this is the this is an interesting time. Uh, but like we said, a lot of pressure on these teams that won their division going away. And it's such a disappointment if you get into the division series and you don't advance. Meanwhile, if you're a wild card and you make a little hay, man, it just changes everything. But that's the way it's set up, and that's the way they'll play it. Hey, thanks for calling in, Will. Good to catch up, buddy. Absolutely, Gary. Thanks for having me. All right, Will Miller calling in from Bama Central talking a little baseball. That's going to close it out for the show. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. And uh, we've got Miller's Edge coming up next from 11 until noon and then uh, Big Noon Sports noon until 2. And, of course, Ryan Fowler takes you home with the game 2 until 6 every afternoon. And you can catch me on TV tonight with local sports and with Rodney Orr for Tider Insider TV at 6.30 tonight on WVUA 23. Hey, a reminder, your chance to uh, have an opportunity to win $30,000 is coming up. Another three-digit code with the 30K Workday Payday is coming up at the start of the next hour for your chance to win cash. On Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC, for Justin Jones, I'm Gary Harris. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you again in the morning at 9 a.m. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Hi, this is Dr. Brad.